Today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A famed pastor and author passes away. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, share it with your friends. You can email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. Joining me today, Trey Gons Phillips. Billy is on assignment. He'll be back hopefully tomorrow. Trey, what's going on on this hump day? I know we're already to Wednesday yes. again, but it's a good. It's been a good week so far. It's yep. kind of spring, spring weather. Spring has sprung, it's warming up, uh, which is good. I'm only one cup of coffee in, which is <laughs> not that's good. all I ever drink. See, well, no, I all I always only do one. You cup only do of one. Coffee. Okay. All right. Um, I'm two Mountain Dews. I'm two Mountain Dews in, so that's a whole nother ball game. We'll have to do a whole nother special episode on my soda <laughs> consumption at some point, but for now. We are going to stick to the news. What do we have uh, coming up? Dylan Mulvaney. I mean, you've probably heard the name out there, but there is more to the saga right now. Yeah, so Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney, those are the two things, I think, in in headlines uh, right now. But Dylan also talked about faith. Uh, So we'll get into comments that uh, the TikTok star has made about religion and thoughts on God and all of that. I think I think there's some takeaways there. I'm looking forward to chat about that. Also, on the yeah. main thing, you talked to uh, Trey. You talked to Joshua Broom. These comments from conservative commentator Dennis Prager were kind of eye-opening about pornography. A lot of people are taking it as justification, essentially, and so we'll talk about the the uh, problematic nature of those statements uh, on the main thing today. But right now, we are going to get to the news in 90 seconds. And Doctor. Charles Stanley, the senior pastor at First Baptist Church, Atlanta, and the founder of In Touch Ministries, has died for more than five decades. He was a pastor, broadcaster, and author, and served on the staff of First Baptist Atlanta. He was named senior pastor back in 1971. He was the 16th pastor at the historic church. That church was founded in 1848, and under Stanley's leadership, The church saw unprecedented growth. His son's also a well-known pastor. You may know the name, Andy Stanley. And actor Alan Richson says he has a passion for faith-based movies and wants them to succeed at the box office so even more will be produced. Richson said, I want to be part of stories like that. He's 40, known for his roles in Jack Reacher. This was the one on Amazon, that series. And as Gloss in the movie The Hunger Games Catching Fire. And he will star alongside two-time Academy Award winner Hilary Swank in the new motion picture titled Ordinary Angels. That's coming out October 13th. And debate is raging after an 84-year-old man shot a teenager who went to the wrong home to pick up his brothers, according to police. 84-year-old Andrew Lester answered his door late in the evening when he says he mistakenly believed the 16-year-old Ralph Yarl was an intruder and he shot him. Thankfully, Yarl survived the shooting and is recovering. But those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. Trey, th- this story is interesting. First of all, before we get to the uh, the shooting uh, there, because I, I think there it says a lot uh, about how the country is talking about that story. But I, I did not know this about the actor who played Jack Reacher in Amazon. I don't know if you watched that on Prime, but it's a good series. And uh, he is uh, pr- apparently wants to be in faith-based, faith-based movies and has uh, apparently a faith. So that's pretty cool to see. 
Yeah, no, it's awesome whenever you see somebody of faith, um, not just doing faith-based content, but also kind of being in uh, the industry and in, in in general more broadly, because there's an opportunity there, right, for them to evangelize, for them to share their faith, for them to be light in a dark world. Um, and it's such a difficult place to be, too. Like, we've talked about um, Chris Pratt several times before and his journey and him sharing his faith. And I, I can't imagine being in Hollywood and sharing your faith. Cause I think it's hard enough for everybody right now in culture generally, cause our culture is kind of yeah. hostile toward Christianity. But when you're in the epicenter of that hostility, it seems the entertainment industry, that's a tough place to be in, but encouraging to see actors doing it nonetheless. Yep. And we, I mean, we hear so many actors, uh, you know, talk, well, you hear a lot of Hollywood not being exactly friendly to faith. So anytime we see yeah. someone who's kind of on our side of the faith issue, then we, we want to point them out. So there you go. There's one. Um, and as far as this story goes, Trey, I was a little disappointed in seeing the headlines. You know, again, obviously, this is a tragic story. Thankfully, Ralph, the 16-year-old, survived, didn't die. But what we have here is another case where we're jumping to the race narrative before virtually any of the facts are known beyond an initial statement that police gave. Everyone's already drawing their lines, going in there. The moment it was learned that the 84-year-old was white and the, the young man was black, that's what all the headlines said. And they're trying to compare this, Trey, to Ahmaud Arbery and um, Trayvon Martin. And those, those two situations are com- completely different. One, you had a wannabe cop who was out around patrolling the neighborhoods. Actually, in both cases, you kind of had that. And they were chasing down people like this guy was just at his house and then mistakenly, according to him, thought that this person was intruding and then made the decision to shoot. Now, we'll see what the evidence shows, but that could have been a bad decision, but it could have been reasonable as well. And just one of those things that was unfortunate and, uh, you know, a terrible coincidence and terrible timing. It could have been that or he could have shown horrible judgment and not needed to shoot at all. Um, and so anyway, the, the issue that I have here, Trey, and I'll see how, what you think of this, is just this need to jump to the narrative before we know anything. That, that's what's frustrating to me, not, not whatever the outcome is. Um, it's that media outlets use this to divide people, and we seem to fall for it every time as a society. Well, yeah, I think the first issue is we dehumanize everybody regardless right. of what their skin color is, what their political ideology is. I think both sides jump to to see how can I turn this into a political win for my party. So, and I, I think we see that on on both sides of the aisle at times. Um, so that's that's one issue, right? These are two human beings. As Christians, our first response should be to be praying for them because it's traumatic for the 84-year-old and yeah. obviously traumatic for the kid uh, who was shot, of course. So we need to be prayerful first. But then second, I think it's just, it's so obvious that the media is is ready at all times to use a situation uh, to advance a certain narrative because when it's the other way around, if it had been an 84-year-old minority, if the the guy had been black or some other uh, ethnic minority, this never would have been a story at all. We just know. It it never would have made headlines. It wouldn't be splashed across CNN uh, the, the next morning. But when there's a political win to be had, um, we see the story making headlines and it just divides us even further as a culture, right? We're already so divided. 
uh, we don't need we right. don't need any more of this. We don't need any uh, help. We don't need, yeah. we don't need any help from the media to say, hey, I know what no. we'll do. Let's try to divide them some more. No, that's uh, no. I'd, I'd say the media played a large part in putting us there in the first place. Right. But yeah, yeah, exactly. They just sort of keep they. It's like they're sitting they back keep stoking and, that fire. Right. They they started the fire and they're just sitting back and admiring it. And then if it gets <laughs> slightly low lower than a blazing inferno, they just need to dump some gasoline back onto that thing. So uh, yeah, so still like you said, prayers for that young man that he gets a full recovery and hopefully. You know, whatever the justice is in this situation, that 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 happens regardless of, you know, one narrative or the other. So we're going to head into our next story now. And another controversial issue, the, the transgender issue. And Dylan Mulvaney's kind of become one of the poster childs for this trans movement. And Dylan is a popular transgender TikToker going viral online for so what do they call it, Trey? 365 days of being a woman or something like that? I don't know. Yes, 365 days of girlhood. And girlhood. Dylan is a male, a male uh, right. identifying so, as a female. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that, that that's the stage here. But given all of that chaos that's going on, he said some interesting things about God. What did he say? Yeah, so Dylan is 26 years old, uh, and it, the comments came during what was called 365 Days of Girlhood, which essentially was a variety show the TikTok star you know, hosted yeah. uh, in New York City in the Rainbow Room of the Rockefeller Center. Uh, and uh, Mulvaney said, I'm going to say something that might make people feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm trying really hard to maintain a relationship with God. Uh, went on uh, to say, I don't think he made a mistake with me and that maybe one day I will actually be grateful for being trans, that this isn't some curse, that it's, uh, but it's just a different path to the same destination. Uh, Mulvaney, before going on to become this huge TikTok star, was actually a Broadway performer. Uh, he was in the Book of Mormon. Uh, so he's spoken about God some in the past, uh, but this is the first time he's been really pointed about it since transitioning uh, to identifying as female. Hmm, interesting. And um, is this the first time that he's sort of, is this out of left field, these the comments just even referencing God, or has he discussed this before? Yeah, so he has discussed it a little bit before. Uh, in December, uh, Mulvaney posted a TikTok titled uh, Day 271, The Great Tampon Debacle of 2022. Uh, and Mulvaney addressed uh, the women who take issue with biological males like like him, uh, calling themselves females. Uh, he then called those people transphobic. Uh, the 26-year-old said, I'm jealous of you. You know, I wish I was born in your body. I wish I had a uterus. You know, my sex assigned at birth was a biological male. Uh, it's just not what God had in mind. So here I am. And Mulvaney went on to say, there's probably a lot of women that you don't like to group yourself with talking to actual biological women, uh, but they're still women, he said, and so am I. Uh, he said he was raised very Catholic, but then abandoned his faith when he came out as gay. Uh, but nevertheless, the social media influencer has said that he believes, quote, in something bigger than me, whether it's a God or the universe or angels. He's been getting a lot of attention, but what is the latest thing that sort of got the eyeballs on him again? 
Yeah, so like you said, for the last year or so, Mulvaney's been getting a whole lot of attention, but all of this seemed to come to a head uh, this month with Anheuser-Busch, the maker of Budweiser and Bud Light. Uh, They faced a ton of criticism uh, for partnering with Mulvaney. Uh, So the beer company sent him a personalized can that featured his face on it. Uh, Mulvaney then said on his own TikTok, this month I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. And then conservative celebrities and influencers, uh, even some country stars uh, like John Rich and Travis Tritt, uh, immediately began boycotting Anheuser-Busch, which ultimately forced the company's CEO, Brendan Whitworth, to release a statement saying a whole lot of other stuff, but really the only part that's relevant here is he said, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We're in the business of bringing people together over a beer. Um, but Dan, something I thought was most interesting was actually Donald Trump Jr.'s response. Uh, he criticized uh, Anheuser-Busch for their, quote, woke messaging, uh, but he actually urged conservatives to not boycott the beer brand. Uh, he said, I'm not for destroying an American, an iconic company for something like this. Frankly, they don't participate in the same woke garbage that other people in the beer industry actually do, who are significantly worse offenders and even noticed, uh, noted that uh, Budweiser has given to Republicans over the years uh, politically in, in, in their donations. So it's been an interesting few days, I think, for Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. And you can't I mean, you can't really control how people feel about something. Right. So regardless of what Trump Jr. is saying, I mean, people are seeing this. It's just I think people are tired of it. They're just tired of being forced that we have to accept this. And and this is the only issue out there that everyone's jamming in your face. I I think people are just tired of it. Yeah. Well, I think that's been the issue for years now. It's been the biggest gripe with sports, uh, with the NFL, with the NBA, even some with um, college sports uh, is particularly in 2020. I heard it so much. I know you've talked about this before, Dan, is everything had to be Black Lives Matter stuff everywhere. Everything had to be the LGBT stuff, the pride nights and the pride jerseys uh, have to be everywhere. We've seen a lot of that with the NHL um, this year, which I think it's just Americans are kind of fed up. Like the one place, the one safe haven I had uh, in culture was I get to enjoy a sports game uh, and maybe have my favorite drink. And I don't have to think about uh, any of the political nonsense that's going on. Uh, But now everything has to be political and everything has to be some sort of woke messaging opportunity. Right. And and you just see, and then, the problem, and I don't think people would have as much of a problem with it if it was even-handed, but do you ever see an NHL team or an NFL team or an NBA team or some big company like Anheuser-Busch say, hey, you know what, today we're celebrating preserving the lives of the unborn and show like an ultrasound on the can? Like, no, you, they never do that. They would never do that because this only seems to be a very one-sided deal. With the social justice type stuff from the left, you get um, the transgender stuff from the left. It seems like everyone is quick to bow down to that, but it doesn't matter what the conservative issues are of the day. They're not going to, generally speaking, not going to, they're not going to kowtow the way they do uh, to the left. It's just not going to happen. So I think that's the other part of this is that it just feels very, very, very one-sided. And so when you see it again, and you see it in not 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 another area that it's that it's coming in, um, that people get frustrated. But I want to quick before we run out of time on this segment, Trey, talk about you're 
your segment was really more about his comments on God. And I think that's interesting that he's even contemplating it because that is what is at the heart of, of this trans issue. He said, I don't think God made a mistake with me. Now, the problem is he's thinking that God didn't make a mistake and he's right that God made me as a transgender man who thinks he's a woman. I, no, I mean, as Christians, we would know that, no, God made you the way you were supposed to be made, but your goal is to follow and obey God and not to create your own rules and regulations. Yeah, which, you know, I think the more I think about it, this is a perfect example of what Satan does, right? As he takes, because the best lies are built on a little bit of truth. Uh, so I think Satan takes a little bit of a truth, which is that God didn't make a mistake, mm -hmm. uh, right? And then he twists it and perverts it. And, and we're looking at it as sinners uh, through a cracked and broken prism. Uh, so it becomes distorted and it becomes twisted. And now it's like, God didn't make a mistake. He designed me to be trans. It's like, well, the first half of what you said is correct. The second half is where your own sinfulness came in uh, and Satan and your own flesh has kind of twisted you into believing uh, that that's the truth when in reality it isn't. So I would just urge people who are hearing this or are familiar with Dylan's story, it's easy, I think, to be angry. Uh, and I think in some instances, it's okay to be frustrated and to see uh, some sort of more, to have some sort of moral indignation at this kind of stuff happening in our culture, because it is anathema to God's design, right? So I think that's okay. But I think when we see his name in the headlines, or we see stories about people similar to Dylan, we shouldn't be responding in anger. It should be prompting us to pray, right? Because whether he's identifying as a, as a male or a female at the core, Dylan is an image bearer of Christ, yeah. you know, is an, an image bearer of God. And we need to be praying for his sanctification that the Holy Spirit would, would move in his life. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And pray that God would open his eyes to see the truth. And I think that's probably the biggest issue when it comes to the trans issue is that people are afraid or unwilling to speak the truth of Scripture and God's truth to them about who they are and how God made them. And they're in, in that vacuum, people are feeding them lies and they're sending them down a path to destruction. And it, it's not going to end well. It is just not going to end well for any of these people that think they're going to find fulfillment in some sort of alternative identity or, you know, and I, and I like the way you, you said it, Trey. I mean, if you think about an example of somebody um, that's like a serial philanderer and they say, well, you know what, God, I guess I like doing this. So God must have made me this way. I, I just need to uh, go out. No, like we, it's a fallen world. You have to understand our state as sinners. We're all sinners. We all have some sort of dysfunction that we're prone to. But the answer is not to lean into that and say, well, God made me this way because I'm doing all these things. That's that's the part of the gospel message that's getting left out there is that we're sinners. This is a fallen world. We all sin. Their sin takes on very many different forms. And that's why we need Christ as a savior, not because we're holier than thou. And I think that's what people like Dylan Mulvaney are not being told at all. And so, well, yes. So they take that first truth, like you said, and then they misplace it because they're not even considering sin. So Trey, I appreciate you bringing that story important topic for sure. We're going to head on to the main thing now, and Joshua Broom, who is a former porn star, and now he's a pastor after being redeemed from that lifestyle. 
He's responding to Dennis Prager's claim that pornography is, quote, not awful if it's used as a, quote, substitute for adultery. Talk to Trey, and he brings scripture and statistics to make the case for the dangers of consuming porn for today's main thing. Joshua Broom, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you. I know a lot of people in our audience uh, will, of course, be familiar with you uh, and and some of your story, some of your background uh, dealing with pornography, having been in the industry and then leaving and obviously the Lord transforming you and now in pastoral work and ministry work uh, in, in years since. Um, But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Dennis Prager. A a lot of our audience will also be familiar with him. He recently defended pornography use, which I don't know about you, but it kind of caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting uh, what he said. But let me just give you one quote as kind of the crux of his argument, and then I'll get your reaction. Uh, So he said, if pornography is a substitute for one's wife, it's awful. If it's a substitute for adultery, it's not awful. He said a lot more, and you can go to faithwire.com and check that out. But what's your initial reaction to that, Joshua? Well, uh, praise God that I I don't rely on my own thoughts or my own heart. Um, We have the Word of God that says um, what is good, what is best. Uh, Romans 12, 2 talks about we're not to be conformed by the world. Rather, we're we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And because we have a moral line in the sand, we know that Jesus said that it's better to cut our own hand off than to go on sinning. So, um, man, uh, such a misleading and disappointing thing to hear. Um, I, I, I can, I can almost understand his heart behind it because you could argue, sure, uh, someone who travels a lot or someone who's going through something, um, is that a better option than committing adultery on your wife? Well, I would argue that it's not better, and it's actually the same thing. Um, I mean, we we I could talk about this all day long, but uh, just draw the line in the sand. Uh, it's not uh, okay. It's not a better substitution it's further polluting your heart and it's only going to contribute to more depravity. And if it doesn't lead to adultery today, the data tells us that it's going to lead to it tomorrow. It's in the 50th percentile of divorces that have some facet of pornography consumption that's in the middle of that. That's a causal divorce. And that's just one of many statistics that we can look to. It says it's not a moral good. Well, so Prager is is Jewish. He's not a Christian, uh, but he obviously is conservative, and he shares a lot of the same values that Christians would. Uh, but as believers, we know what Jesus says, which is if you've committed adultery, uh, or if you've looked at a woman with lust, uh, then you've committed adultery in your in your heart already, uh, whether you've acted out on it or not. Uh, so the standard for purity uh, is much higher in Jesus's eyes uh, than maybe it was uh, in in the Old Testament, whereas. It, it's not an issue until you've physically acted out. Uh, but for Jesus, it's once you've once you've committed that in your heart, uh, you might as well have already committed it physically against your spouse or against your your partner, whoever whoever it is. So can you talk a little bit about that and the standard that God holds us to and why it's important to be obedient to that first? Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to answer it in in two facets. Number one, uh, let, let's say that we're looking at pornography outside of someone who has 
uh, you know, a Judeo like Christian worldview. Like pornography is very clearly not a moral good. Like I said, um, in the 50th percentile, um, we're seeing it cause divorce. It's breaking up the home. We see um, a level of fatherlessness in this world, specifically in Western culture, that's on the rise. Um, you see nine in the 90th percentile, pornography displays some sort of act of violence. Um, pornography contributes to sex trafficking. Pornography contributes to rape culture. Average age of exposure, 11 years old. There's, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak at Capitol Hill and um, see uh, this Protect Act go forward where pornography, there's no consent. You don't know what you're watching. You don't know if that person consent to be there. You don't know if it's someone filming them without them knowing. We don't know how old these people are that you're watching. You don't know what you're consuming. So from a from an outside perspective, outside of Christianity, it's can, it's just incredibly detrimental to the world and it's contributing to a, a growing amount of evil. And as far as what does the Bible say, um, I love uh, Titus 2, 11 through 14. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. So because of the Holy Spirit, we have access to the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the last one, uh, the last fruit of the Spirit, the last gift, self-control. And then in Titus, we're talking about this because we have salvation because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, conforming us and convicting us. We can live a self-controlled, upright and godly life. So it's it's our ability to desire and to be eager to do what is good. And if we do anything that that is contrary of that, we're just contributing to the wickedness and the deceit within our heart. We're in this continuous struggle where my heart desires what the world promises to be satisfaction. And then I have the Holy Spirit dragging me toward what is true. And either, again, Romans 12 too, either I'm going to be conformed by what the world says, what my heart wants, what my desires lead me to, or I'm going to refute them and cling to what God God says is best for my life, which I'm called to be a living sacrifice. I'm called to be a living sacrifice. I'm not called to give in to my desires. I'm not called to give in to pleasure. I'm called to have discipline, obedience. And I think the very thing, John Brevere wrote a beautiful book about being in awe of God. And it's really um, attached to having a healthy fear of God, a reverence for God. So if you don't revere God, we're going to be back in the garden trying to create our own autonomy. I know what's best for me. I know I can mitigate these desires that I have. I'm not going to commit adultery if I do this. I'm not going to do this if I am do this. I'm trying to play God when I do those things, and that's idolatry, and that's going to lead to death. Yeah, Lord, I think you're 100% right. And I, it's interesting that Paul, whenever he's talking about sin uh, in the New Testament, the first one he references 
I believe every time, if not almost every time, is sexual morality because our bodies, we can't run from them, right? I can run from external temptations, but I can't run from my own body, uh, which is a temple uh, for the Holy Spirit. So it's Absolutely. so, so, so important to get that right. Uh, go ahead. What were you going to add? Well, I was going to say, like, to your point, so if our body is the temple for the Holy Spirit, and Paul talks about how sexual immorality, it's actually a sin against our own bodies, why would you commit sin to yourself if we believe that sin separates us from God and progressively destroys us? Why would you want to do something that's separating you from a God that loves you and sent his son to live a perfect life and die on the cross so you can be reconciled to him? Why would you harm yourself and lead yourself in the opposite way in which God wants to take you? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Well, Joshua Broom, uh, we could talk about this for a long, long yeah. time, but yeah. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to break this down with us. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Trey. All right, Trey, I appreciate that conversation. They're always good to talk to Josh. I mean, he is an interesting story, just his life and just the background that he had and where he is now. Amazing to see how God's working really through him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to have his voice in this conversation too, because he's somebody who's been in the porn industry on the side of consuming porn and now completely abandoned it altogether and been transformed. So he can really speak to all sides of this topic. Yeah, definitely authority on that for sure. So appreciate you chatting with him. And we have time here for one last thing. Yeah, so uh, this really fits with our focus story and our main thing. Uh, so it's Psalm 119.9. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? And it says, by living according to your word. Obviously talking about God's word. Mm -hmm. I think what a, that's our true north, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, as we were talking earlier, that that's what's missing in a lot of these cases. People just have these sort of bumper sticker slogans about God. You know, uh, God doesn't make mistakes. And then they just apply their own logic to it instead of leaning on uh, the truth of scripture and God's word. So good spot to leave it here on this Wednesday episode of the podcast. Don't forget to get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.